King's kids, if you are in second grade on down, River, that's you. You're free. We've got some uh, young adults who are ready to entertain you and teach you some Bible stories. You're going to have a good time. We've got some special toys today. That's a good pack. It's Travis. This is the last time we're going to see this guy for a few months. Uh, so at the end of the service, we're going to bring him forward. We're going to pray over him and his wife before the, he heads out to pilot instructor training, also known as PIT. PIT. The acronyms. They never cease to flow from the old military. They're so smooth. They're so smooth. Some are better than others. I'll tell yeah, you that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 5. We're doing the whole chapter today. I'm going to have him read uh, about half of it, and then I'll handle the other half as we get to it. Proverbs chapter 5 in micro print because you have the eyesight of a pilot, apparently. Something like that. Good grief. Look at this. Oh, that's huge. <laughs> I didn't think that old, man. Come on. I like you more and more. More and more. All right, follow along. Proverbs chapter 5. <clears throat> my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life you will groan when your flesh and body is spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I've come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Thank you. What a warning. Uh, it's a interesting chapter, Proverbs 5. <clears throat> Long time ago, Julie was there. That's how long ago this was. This is back when Julie, we went to lift camp in Siloam Springs. <clears throat> it was the first camp I went to where they did like a youth pastor panel where they like pull the youth pastors up front. And, and instead of like throwing things at us, like a lot of activities at camp, you know, taping us to the wall. It was a, an open forum question and answer time for the youth pastors to, to handle any questions that the teens had to dish out. And the recurring theme was, how far is too far with my boyfriend? How far is too far in a dating relationship? The, the teens had so many questions um, because that's the world they live in. How do we handle this? What, what is right? What is wrong? How, what does the Bible have to say? And as youth pastors, we had a lot of practical advice. Um, but when it came down to me, I opened up to Proverbs chapter 5, and I just read it out loud. Because the Bible has a lot to say about how you handle your sexuality. And the goal, get this, the goal in the Bible is not virginity. It's not to abstain. The goal in the Bible for your sexuality is definitely not do whatever you want. The goal in the Bible is the idea of holiness 
purity and dedication to the Lord. Uh, I'm going to do my very best to keep this appropriate for third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders that are in the room. Um, but you need to understand this stuff because you're going to get walloped by it at school, media, iPhones. It's everywhere. You know that. Like, yep, it's all over the place. That's, a, that's what they talk about on the playground. That's what happens. Um, and in this world, we're understanding more and more people are being abused. There's more and more abuse. Um, it's just, it's, the Bible is not silent on this stuff. And the reason is because God cares. God knows. And God has a plan. The plan is wisdom. Write this down. Well, here's the, here's the title. The title is, What's So Dangerous About Sexual Sin? And Solomon has a lot of wisdom to draw upon here from his own life and other lives. But the goal when we talk about this topic is never just avoid it or just avoid sin. That's not the goal when we, ever, we have a discussion about sexuality. The goal needs to be experience the complete fullness of God. One of these will lead you into legalism. The other of these will lead you into a relationship with a living Savior. That's the goal. To interact with God and God's words in such a way that we have purpose and meaning in our lives that goes beyond a checklist. Because you can avoid a lot of sins and still be selfish, greedy, perverted, dead to the things God wants you to be alive to. In other words, you can go through and look like you're right by not doing wrong, but your heart still be wrong. That, that's the danger of being so religious that you don't even realize you've missed Jesus. That he is alive, that his spirit is working, and that he wants to interact with you on a moment-by-moment, decision-by-decision basis. And that's the temptation of legalism. It makes you feel safe when you are anything but. It makes you look clean when on the inside you are filthy. It makes you look like a Pharisee outwardly right and righteous and dressed right and acting right and tithing right and doing everything right but inward you're like you're saying i thank god i'm not like that guy and you're playing this comparison game where you're better than other people thank god i'm not like him thank god i'm not like her thank god that he's that's a dangerous place to be it's judgmental when we talk about our sexual problems um, it's not about our desires, it's not about our attractions, and it's not about even our temptations being too strong. What it comes down to is our love for God is too weak. And that's the catch. You can become really, really good at saying no and always forget. You need to say yes to God. God's ways, God's spirit, God's presence. You need to say yes to Bible reading, to prayer, to worship, to fellowship, to service. You need to say yes, yes, and all those other areas of life and fill up so much on God 
that the temptation becomes, actually, that the temptation is seen in its actual light, that it's small. It feels big when you focus on it. What if you focus your attention on God? Everything else becomes secondary. So what is the big deal? Why is sexual sin such a dangerous thing? Number one, verses one through six, it attempts to capture your heart. Write that down. Sexual sin is dangerous because it's not just out for your body, not just out to use you. It's out to capture your inner person. I like verse three. We're just gonna call her honey lips. The lips of the forbidden woman drip with honey, sweet honey lips. What is she rivaling or who is she competing with? She's competing with lady wisdom, but in the context of this book, it's not God, it's the wisdom of the Father. Our sexuality is competing against, <laughs> let's just say it, what our parents know and tell us is best for us. Start right there. Your parents are older than you. They've experienced more than you. They've been around more people than you. They may even have sinned more than you. Listen to them. When a parent has the guts to talk about sexuality with their kids, kids, listen. They know more than you. They've been through more than you. Listen. You might learn a thing or two and not about the birds and the bees. You might learn a thing or two about your own heart. What, maybe what is a problem in your family is a generational sin. They keep repeating the same thing. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's abuse. Listen and learn. Solomon is begging his son to listen. Listen, my son. Honey Lips is gonna drag you through the mud. How does dad know that? He's been there and he's filthy and he's failing. He knows what he's talking about. Does his son? Do you have to experience everything to know everything? No. You don't want to experience everything. Because it's, it's really not about your body either. It's about your heart. This is a battle between father, lady wisdom, and foreign in different translations, call her the foreign, wood, uh, the foreign woman, the forbidden woman, uh, the wicked woman, the adulteress. There are a lot of different ways here. And let me just take a time out, quick, hard stop right here. This is not men against women. Because a man can seduce a woman just as well as a woman can seduce a man. This goes both ways. It's only phrased this way because it's a father writing to his son. If it was a queen writing to her daughter, she'd say, watch out for those dudes Watch those suave guys. They look right. They dress right. They smell right. They just want to get you alone and have their way with you. Stay away from those punks. If this was a mom writing to her daughter, she could say the same things. So this is not a knock against women. Don't, don't go there. At least don't go there with me. I'll fight you on that one. This is a heart and a mind issue about what you want and you getting it or thinking you get it, because what actually happens is, it gets you. It sets the hook and reels you in, 
And there is no weight limit. There is no size limit. It wants your heart. It wants to destroy you. The battle is between wisdom and foolishness, between living for the Lord and living for yourself. That is the battle. Always has been, always will be. And faithfulness to God means we battle against pride and idolatry in our own hearts first. Your battle is not against somebody else. Even if they're the ones tempting, even if they're the ones inviting, the battle is between you and that carton of ice cream. It's between you and that boyfriend or girlfriend who wants to go too far. It's between you and that really nice piece of electronics that doesn't have a security tag on it that you could fit in your pocket. It's about you and I could tell my wife the whole truth, the full truth and nothing but the truth or I could just say yes and leave out some gray areas. It's, it's between us and our own hearts. All sin is. So make sure we don't elevate sexual sin to the top and because I'm a church person, I haven't done that, I'm better than everybody else. Your heart's not better than everybody else. This may not be your shtick. This may not be your problem but I know you've got a heart problem. So listen to the way Solomon addresses the heart problem as dealing with sexuality and blueprint it onto your life because you have these problems too. We all have a tendency to follow our hearts. We all have a tendency to be attracted to something. We all have a tendency to focus on something that God doesn't want us to have. We all have a weakness. And as adamant as he is to his son, I want you to feel that and take that personally. He's coming after you. Because whatever you give your heart to owns you. It's a battle of the heart and mind. And sexual unfaithfulness starts with words and communications. Did you get that? Verse 3. Her lips drip with honey. Her speech, the way she talks, the way she reasons, smoother than oil but then it becomes bitter and sharp. Verse five, if you're gonna follow your heart, if you're gonna follow your sexuality, you're gonna follow your impulses, you're gonna act like a dog, it's going to lead you down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol, to hell. She does not even think about or ponder the path of life. She's, she's not even close to the path of life completely on a different path. Her ways wander and she does not even know it. Yeah. That sounds like me as a teenager. <laughs> Chasing, thinking, dwelling, meditating on everything that I shouldn't. Because I didn't know any better. I wasn't ever on the right path. So guard your heart and your mind. That sounds familiar, chapter four. Guard your heart and your mind, verse 26. Well, the whole, the whole second section, yeah, 23, 24, 25. Chapter four, guard your heart, guard your mind. We like affection, let's be real here. We all like affection and attention. Ooh. We all like affection and attention. We like feeling wanted. We like getting hugs. We like getting kisses. And those feelings and those desires are not bad or evil. 
But God's wisdom is here to warn you. Be careful with your lips. Sometimes that which starts out sweet is cancer and bitterness and death. What are the consequences? Well, verses 7 through 14, the next blank. The consequences of sexual sin impact every area of life. This is why they're dangerous. Let me read verses 7. I'm just going to read verse 7. And now, sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from the temptation. Do not go near the door. Don't even look at it. Run, lest you give your honor to others, your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you're groaning when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, ah, how I hated discipline, how my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers. I did not incline my ear to my instructors. And now I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Is this all hogwash and bunk? Has anybody thought this before? Have you felt like you've given the best years of your life to somebody else? Your strength to the wrong person? Your flesh and your body feel consumed and you, you regret it? You say, I hate, I hate it. I hate that I did that. Is anybody? Me too, brother. Is anybody else? anybody done things that they wish they hadn't have done gone places given come on confess give it up every hand should be raised right now every single one of us we think this isn't this real what he's saying is real oh how i wish i had listened me too why such deep regret? Because the consequences are still with us. We don't forget what we've done. Oh, I wish I could forget. No, I do not wish that I could forget. Because according to Jesus, he who has been forgiven much will love much. If I forget, I won't be, as, I won't be humbled we need to remember even the sins of our past and let them humble us and remind us just how much he continues to forgive us. The consequences, they're there. You're going to suffer. They may never go away. But those consequences, verses 21 through 23, those consequences can also impact, write it down, your eternal life. You can give your entire life to sin and then you will lose eternity. I'm skipping a section here because I see a, a connection between the, the cry of regret and the why. Why do, we, why do we feel that why? Why do we have regrets? Why do we feel so much guilt? Verse 21 tells you why. It's because 
our ways are before the eyes of the Lord. God sees it and God ponders and he knows all of our paths, everything we've ever done. Verse 22, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare us. We feel trapped, we feel addicted and we're held fast in the cords of our sin, the very sin we've chosen. We thought we had a grip on sin. We thought we were choosing sin. It was shackling us. It was getting us. We gave the best of ourselves away and now we're paying the price. Verse 23, and we die simply because we lack discipline. Because of our great folly, we are led astray. There's the word folly. This whole chapter is a contrast between being wise or being foolish. Welcome to the book of Proverbs. It's a, it's a story from a father to a son on how to avoid foolishness and how to embrace lady wisdom. And there's a reason why he casts her as lady wisdom and then the adulteress. It's really about how you, what you choose to love in this life. We're built to love. We're built for relationships. So this is good language for us. Really good language for us. But then, verses 15 through 20, if I back up. This is the section I spent the most time with at youth camp. When a teenager wants to know how to handle themselves. When a teenager or a young person or a single person wants to know, what am I supposed to do with all these feelings, with my hormones, with my temptation? What am I supposed to do with this? Verse 15 says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her fill you at all times with delight and be intoxicated always in her love why should you be intoxicated my son with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress yeah that's how we handle it what's so dangerous about sexual sin verses 15 through 20 show me it is against god and covenant faithfulness the biggest danger of sexual sin is you are rebelling against your heavenly father what's that's why it's important whether or not you're even married it it's it, unimportant it's not like oh, i can only commit adultery if well we're both we're neither of us is married so no if you're not married they're not married that's somebody else's husband somebody else's wife how do i know the right person to be married to you don't but once you put this on I can tell you that's the person you're supposed to be married to. You make a covenant commitment to another human being and that changes the rules. Sexuality is one of those weird parts of the Bible. Wrong, 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 wrong. I do. It's okay. Like, wait, wait, what just happened? It's been wrong my whole life and now it's okay. Like, this, I still vividly remember that. Like, like, like just, just overwhelm me all at once. It went from being wrong, 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 right. But my heart was still saying, I don't know. It's, 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 it's awkward. It's, it's wrong, it's wrong. Right? How can, like, what's going on here? God's ways are far above my ways. 
far above. But our sexual sin is dangerous because we need to understand it's first against God. So follow along on these, these next blanks. Some explanation of that big point. Covenant faithfulness is first between you and God. To be faithful to the covenant is to first be faithful to God. God first in my life. And then second, covenant faithfulness is between, now, when I first typed that, it's between you and your spouse. No, it's not. But covenant faithfulness is, marriage is third on the list. Between me and God, me and everybody else, me and my spouse, if I'm married. But everybody gets one and two. Our sexuality bleeds into every area of life, not just married life. It's part of who God made you to be and you have to wrestle with God over that. I don't talk to God about that. I don't like my attractions. I don't like the strength of my attractions. I, I don't have any attractions. That's okay too. Take it all to God. Like, what is he talking about? Well, I'm talking about covenant faithfulness. First and foremost, you need to make sure you're spending time with God, learning from God, and and ingesting his word, listening to his word, so that his word starts to shape your mind more than everything the world has to say, because they're trying to shape your mind too. Subjecting yourself to God first and everyone else second. And sexuality is a part of your identity that is something that is worth guarding, it's worth valuing, it's worth protecting. Verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. What this is telling you is have contentment in your life as it is right now. Your own life, your own water, your own well, your own sexuality, purity without the need for sexual fulfillment. Sex has never made anyone perfect in their faith. Let me say that again. Sex has never made anyone perfect in their faith. It's covenant faithfulness to God, respecting and honoring your neighbors. Oh, wait, that sounds a lot like the greatest commandments. Yeah, that's why they're the greatest commandments. The greatest commandments to love God and to love others, it includes your sexuality contentment drink water from the well that God has given you from the life that you have your own well that that emphasis on your own two times in one verse your own life your own life your own life stop looking elsewhere to be fulfilled nobody else will fulfill you game over stop verse 16 Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Now, if you take this as a married person, uh, with water, talking about your sexuality, like you shouldn't, you're not sharing. It's against adultery. But to single people, that that imagery, should your life be 100% in the public, in the streets? Should you be sharing everything in your life with strangers? Like, like Solomon is warning his son, but like, have some privacy between you and God. Not everything needs to be posted, tagged, hashtag. Not everything you do. There needs to be, there needs to be an element of mystery 
and quietness to your life. Not everything needs to be tweeted. Nobody cares about all your opinions. You don't need to give everybody else a like and a swipe. And, oh, what, 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 Like, what are we doing? Give God more attention. And keep some areas of your life under wraps. Because you're not right about everything. And you never will be. You keep putting it out there, it's going to fly in your face eventually. Somebody smarter than you or more evil than you is going to come after you and it's going to hurt. Stop putting yourself out there. Should your spring, should your life be scattered abroad? Should your streams, should all of your life, all of your opinions, all of your sexuality be out there in the streets? No, let it be for yourself alone and not for strangers. Verse 18. Hey, do the, do the next slide. Yeah. Guard yourself. What am I talking about on yourself? What we talked about last week, your heart and mind is included with your sexuality. Heart, mind, sexuality, your inner person, your inner being, all of you. All of it. Now, verses 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. And the next blank there is the word purity. Purity is the ideal expression for sexuality. Marriage and singleness can equally express purity and covenant faithfulness to God and to other people. You don't have to be married in order to experience the fullness of God in your life. Don't feel like you need to. One man with one wife to God's glory or singleness to God's glory can be maintained with the spirit of holiness and covenant faithfulness to Jesus. I rewrote verses 18 and 19 for you single folks. If I had to re- reword 18 and 19, well, it's talking about a man with his wife. Be satisfied with her. Stop looking elsewhere. Okay, okay. Yeah, I got it, but I'm not married. I'm single. I'm a widow. Don't, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it does. Listen to this. Drink your spiritual water and be satisfied with all the relationships you already have in your life. Stop looking and lusting for relationships that go in a certain direction. Rejoice in the fellowship of your Christian brothers and sisters. Enjoy their company and companionship, for there you can find the physical presence of Jesus and your fellow believers. Fulfillment. And by the way, the Apostle Paul blows the doors off of uh, my idea of marriage in Ephesians 5.32 when Paul says that marriage oneness is a mystery and marriage is just referring to Christ and the church. Marriage is simply an example to show us how much Jesus loves the church. That's, it's a shadow. Marriage is a shadow. There's, there's no giving and taking of marriage in heaven. Why? Because we are out of the shadows and we're in the presence of Jesus Christ and we are married to him as a church 
And it seems like sexuality fades out the window. Isn't that ironic? The world makes such a big deal about our sexuality. And Jesus, it's important, but he goes a different direction altogether. He goes a direction that we're not always willing to talk about. He goes a direction that is glorified, perfect, holy, eternal, forever, our forever purpose with God. What we have now and the sexuality that we struggle with, you could struggle with it your entire life. It's going to end. It's not going to plague you forever. Even if you go to the grave hating the way you lust, hating the past, hating the way you've handled your body, it's going to end. You will be set free. There is coming a day. That is so, that is a needed message you need to hear today from the Bible. Guard it, protect it, Jesus will take care of it. Fight it, struggle against it, be holy, stay pure fellowship with your fellow believers and the number one thing you can do to fight against your sexual sins is talk about it find somebody trusted to talk about it with don't bottle it all up and let it consume you and eat you and destroy you it wants to strangle you it wants your heart it wants you to feel so vile and dirty that you can't even come to church you can no matter what you've done no matter what you are doing confess agree with God that what you're doing is wrong repent turn away from it sometimes that means end the relationship sometimes that means recommit the relationship sometimes that means a lot of different things in a lot of different situations but you can confess and you can be forgiven of everything that's crazy it's not like this special sin like like one beef I have with the church at large is how big a deal we, we, we spend so much time and energy speaking against homosexuality. As if it's a worse sin than a teenage boy sleeping with his girlfriend in high school. They're the same. They're both evil. Why do we get so hung up on the sins that, that we see in other people and not the ones we see in our own families? I'm telling you, we have a problem. All of us do. Confess, repent, and come back and sing. Confess, repent, and do better today, and do better tomorrow. Verse 20. Oh, Solomon. (laughs) Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Why? 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 I feel the the dad coming out of him. Don't do it. Don't embrace sin. And here, here are three words that he's used for sin and for adultery. He's used the word foreign. He's used the word strange. And he's used the word forbidden. And digging back through my previous sermons on lady wisdom, here are the three words that I've used the most on lady wisdom. Contentment patience and purity and look how those fight against each other when you live with contentment you're not out grabbing for foreign things you're content with what you have what God has brought into your life when you have patience strange things they're just like that's strange you're able to just be like you're not jumping at everything you're not eager to try new things you don't think you're missing out man I heard that I heard that in the college class when I was just getting into church 
a godly girl saying, you know, I need to just go sleep around with somebody so, so that when I get married, I know what I'm doing. Our college pastor about slapped her upside the head. What are you talking about? No, that is not how, that is the way of the world. No, no, you save yourself, you protect yourself, and you wait. You have patience. You don't just go out there, well, I'm just gonna go find a stranger. No! And what the Bible wants is purity. And God calls some things forbidden for your own good. It's for your own good. How does any teenager push back against their parents when something is forbidden? No matter, they want to find the cookie jar. They don't care what kind of cookie you put in the jar. If you said you can't have cookies till after dinner, they want cookies before dinner. Like as soon as something is forbidden, we want it. As soon as we say, no, I'm going after it. As soon as we say, no, I'm gonna find a way to get that on my own. Maybe not here, maybe over there. Hey, call my, hey, you have any of that at your house? Hey, mom, I'm gonna have dinner at his house. They're having cookies first. That's our nature, right? And God is so real with our nature. He's speaking so plainly. Run. Don't do it. Be careful. Don't embrace sin. What, what is so dangerous about sexual sin? Let me, let me tie those points together with this sentence. Sexual sin, it captures you, it haunts you, and it tries to destroy you. How's it gonna destroy me? By leading you away from God's plan. What is God's plan? Covenant, dedicated, pure faithfulness. And it was on my mind, I wrote, because I wrote it down earlier, Luke 7, 47, if you wanna make a note to the side there. Because that haunts you. I've talked to so many people in the last year who are haunted by their past and they just wanna forget it. They just wanna get over it. They just wanna move past it. They, sometimes the very thing that haunts them is a, a child they had with somebody else and now they're in a blended family. Like those reminders don't ever go away. <laughs> I am the living reminder that my parents went too far after a high school dance. That's me. But can you imagine having a regret that is a person? It may not be planned, but it's not an accident. It may not have been intended, but God can work all things for good, even your sin. Be patient with yourself, but it shouldn't haunt you. The word I would substitute for haunt is humble you. You shouldn't live with hatred. You need to realize God has forgiven you even of that. And that should humble you. Because the next time, God forbid, a teenager in our church is pregnant, will we humble ourselves? Some of you have been teen moms. You better be the first one to say, honey, I'm sorry, but we're gonna help you. We're gonna help you through this. We're gonna love you. We're gonna forgive you. We may not approve of everything you do because that was wrong. But by the grace of God, you're okay here. You're safe here. Are you prepared to do that? If it's your son or daughter, please prepare. 
This is written because we fail. It's a warning, but not everybody will hear it. And Jesus comes along and says, I got that. Confess, repent, and show a lot of grace. Covenant faithfulness to, to God and to our neighbors. Let me end with this. This last little nugget at the end of your notes. How you handle your sexuality becomes representative or emblematic of how you handle God himself. How you handle your sexuality is going to reflect what you think about God. And that's a big deal. So I want this to be a day to confess. You don't need to come forward and confess it. We're going to just stand with me right now. Stand where you are. Look at your life. Examine your life. How faithful have you been to God with all that is within your heart and your mind? Bow your heads. Close your eyes with me for just a moment. All of us need to recommit to covenant faithfulness today. God, you've made me this way. God, you've given me these desires. God, this place I am in life, single, married, in a blended home, in a broken home, with a single parent. God, this life you've given me with my broken parents, with all these broken relationships, God, I, I really do believe you've given me everything I need. It may not be perfect, but God, I'm trusting you. You know what you're doing. You've brought me to where I am right this second with all of my hurt, with all of my loneliness, with all of my struggles. God, help me to take my eyes off of myself for once, for just a second and to see that you are enough, that with Jesus as my Savior, you have given me all that I need for a life of godliness and righteousness and purity and hope. God, help me to stop wishing that things were different. Help me to be different. Even if my life never changes, my faith is in you, Lord, that you can change me anyway, wherever I am, whatever this world throws at me, whatever happens. And that's my prayer, God. I commit myself to you today. I commit to seek your fullness and to be satisfied with nothing else more than I am satisfied with you. Change my heart, God. You have forgiven me much, so help me to love you much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a God's own son, precious Lamb.
Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son, and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Jesus, my Redeemer, name of all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, hope for sinners slain. front and center. Mark Meyer, you come up and be ready. We're going to do the benediction after we pray. Oh, you know what? Put you on the floor. Can fit everybody else on the floor. If you want to pray over them, come up forward. Come forward and put hands on them in appropriate locations, you know. <laughs> like, nah, that's not, that's not a We're going to pray for them. He's going to be gone for a bit. We want the Lord's blessing to go with him. We miss them. We will love you. She's staying. He's going. We've got her back. Ladies, reach out to her in the next few weeks. I'm sure it's going to be a party as soon as he's gone. She's going to be really, you know, she's going to get stuff clean that hasn't been cleaned in a while. Legos might show up on eBay. It's going to be. <laughs> and he's going to want to come back even sooner. Uh, but in the meantime, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we commit Travis to you right now. We ask for your blessing to be over his life. We commit him to you. May he seek your face in all that he does. Guard his heart and mind while he is in training. Help him to stay focused. Help him to be light and salt in all the dark places. Guard his heart and his mind in every way we pray. We lift up McKenna. Give her the strength to endure this time apart. Meet all of her needs spiritually and emotionally and socially. Help things to go smoothly at work for her. Help things to work out according to your plan and purpose and use this to further their love for each other and their love for you. Show them how good you are while they are apart. We lift them up in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our benediction. This is from Numbers chapter 6. 
the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Yes, and amen. God bless you.